Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Season 2 of Confessions of a New Grad. This podcast is an ongoing story, so if you haven't listened to Season 1 yet, I'd recommend starting there. Chapter 27 The Talk Apollo opened his mouth to speak, choked on the air, and started coughing. I watched him pour himself some water from the jug in the middle of the table and waited for him to catch his breath. Brooklyn, I want to explain. I raised my eyebrows and waited for him to do that. He looked like a fish out of water. His mouth was moving, but no words were coming out. So explain then. I was irritated. He'd been trying to talk to me for ages. The least he could have done was put some thought into what he was going to say once he saw me. Okay, well, I'm not really sure what you know. Does what I know change what you will or won't be telling me? No, of course not. I'm just trying to figure out where to begin. Well, hurry up, because Steve will be here soon. Who's Steve? The guy I'm dating now. His eyes fell. Oh, right. Was that the guy at the club last weekend? Yes, but that's not... You were about to tell me about the girl on the seawall. That was Amanda, right? Or are there others? What? No, of course there aren't others. Well, you never know. I didn't. You're right, Brooklyn. I'm so sorry. I just looked at him. I wasn't sure why I was being so snarky. I'd never gotten this angry with any other guy who'd screwed me over. Mostly because I'd been scared said guy would tell everyone I was crazy if I did. But right now, I didn't care about any of that. Right now, I was mad. Mad at how hurt and humiliated I'd been when I'd seen him holding hands with Amanda on the seawall. Mad that I worked with her now. Mad that I was now keeping secrets from a girl I would otherwise have been friends with. Mad that I cared what he had to say. Mad that I secretly hoped he'd have an explanation that justified everything. Because even though I knew I should hate everything about him right now, I didn't. Here are your teas, the waiter said, placing a large silver teapot and cups in front of us. I picked up the kettle and poured myself some. Apollo took the pot after me, looking grateful to have something to do with his hands. Then he took a deep breath and said, Amanda is an old family friend. I've known her since I was a kid. She moved here in June, and our moms insisted we grab dinner. We hit it off and kind of started seeing each other. But then 
In July, I went to Pemberton and bumped into you. Even though I didn't want them to, memories of the two of us at Pemberton flickered across my mind's eye. I could feel his warm skin as I was pressed against it in the crowd, while he and I danced in spite of the fact that my phone was vibrating with missed calls and texts from Tyler. I looked up into his amber eyes now, furious with myself for wishing that we could go back to that moment. I looked up into his amber eyes now, furious with myself for wishing that we could go back to that moment. And then at Pemberton, he broke off. What? I asked. It was so good to see you. I knew you had a boyfriend, but I thought maybe you had broken up with him because... He trailed off delicately. He could have said he thought this because I had been acting very single around him at Pemberton, but he didn't. But then you said you should go because you had a boyfriend, so I figured that maybe you were just drunk. But still, I thought we could be friends, so I texted you after that. You texted me after that because you thought we could be friends? Yeah. I looked at him with a deadpan expression. Okay, well, maybe I like to think I was reaching out to be your friend, he admitted. And you thought us being friends was a good idea, even though I had a boyfriend and you had a girlfriend? She wasn't my girlfriend then, but she is now? No, we've never committed to each other or had the exclusive talk or anything. Right, yeah, I can't imagine why she would think you guys are dating. You've just been casually going on a bunch of romantic strolls and helping her move into her new apartment. She told you that? Yeah, she thought it was sweet. I did too, when you helped me move into my place. There was a long pause. There's no excuse I fucked up. I was trying to figure out what to do, and I didn't think any of this would happen. You didn't think that taking her on a date so close to my house might blow up in your face? I didn't plan on being there. We started out in Coal Harbor and just ended up on the other side of the seawall. I clenched my teeth. That was at least a two-hour walk. I didn't want to know about it. I didn't want to imagine them talking for that long and losing track of time. Somehow, that hurt me more than the thought of them hooking up. And now I realized I didn't want to find out which, out of the two of us, Apollo had decided he liked more. Because I was pretty sure it wasn't me. It's fine, Apollo, I get it. You were seeing other people. So was I. You just happened to have the worst luck in the world. I'm not going to tell Amanda anything, so you don't have to worry anymore, okay? He frowned at me. What? I... There you are, Brooklyn. We've been wandering around the other side of the restaurant trying to find you, Braylon said. He, Gemma, and Steve had just arrived at our table. Braylon pushed past Apollo to the chair on his other side, and Steve sat awkwardly down next to me. But Gemma just stood there, gaping at Apollo and I. Uh, hey man, I'm Steve. 
Steve said, holding his hand out to Apollo. Apollo, Apollo said, shaking it. Are you joining us? Gemma asked, looking as though she might faint if Apollo said yes. No, no, he stood up. I was just here to grab some takeout and saw Brooklyn, so I thought I'd come say hi. Ah, Gemma said, trying and failing to look chill. It was nice to meet you guys and see you, Gemma, Apollo said. Then he looked at me. I could tell he had so much more to say, and I wished I didn't care what any of it was. Bye, I said. Bye, Brooklyn. Gemma gave me a quizzical look, which I returned with one that silently said, I'll explain later. I spent the rest of the night laughing with Gemma and Braylon and flirting with Steve. But every time there was a lapse in conversation, my thoughts wandered off toward Apollo. And even when Steve kissed me later that night, I wasn't sure if I was kissing him back because I liked him or because his lips were a soft, convenient distraction from the heaviness that hadn't left my chest since I'd first seen Apollo on the seawall with Amanda. The next few weeks went by fast. Gemma and Braylon grew closer and closer, and Steve and I were, I guess, kind of dating too. He was sweet and kind and cute, but for some reason I just wasn't taking him seriously. He never asked for things to be official though, so I figured he probably felt the same way. The four of us had some great nights together, and even got up early on a few weekends to go hang out in Stanley Park. Braylon, Steve, and I would run together while Gemma, who refused to run on principle, would sketch in a cafe and wave ironically at us as we ran by. This is the only time I ever get to do art that doesn't make me want to vomit, Gemma sighed one morning. Her job doing the family portrait for Portia was taking a surprising amount of time because Portia kept changing how big she wanted the canvas to be. At first, she wanted a standard 3 by 4 foot, but then she showed me the wall that she wanted to put it on and I told her it would look really small because, obviously, their house is disgustingly large. So then, we decided I'd make it a 6 by 8 foot, but apparently, that didn't leave enough room for Casanova. Who's Casanova? Braylon asked, looking worried. Portia's thoroughbred racing horse. Gemma rolled her eyes. He's actually gorgeous, but Portia only has him for show. They have a horse trainer who does all the actual work. So anyway, now she's settled on the painting being basically life-sized. I've had to restart three times, and if I am forced to sketch out either of her daughter's Instagram filtered faces again, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. So anyway, this is nice. She gestured toward her sketch of Stanley Park, and Braylon wrapped his arms around her waist. I was still treading water at work. I only had the first two weeks of econ and PE planned out, so by my third week of work, I was prepping for those on top of English. As a result, my nights mainly consisted of lesson planning and marking. I was still a really slow marker and often didn't go to bed until two or three in the morning. I didn't mind, though. 
I knew the first few years of teaching were going to be like this, and from what I'd heard from everyone else I'd been at teaching school with, I was the only person in our graduating class who'd gotten a full-time job right away. I wished I'd had more time to work on my writing, but I was enjoying slowly chipping away at the English 12's hatred of Shakespeare. I do not get Helena's monologue at all, Addison scoffed, throwing her copy of A Midsummer Night's Dream onto her desk one morning. It's not that hard, Addison. George rolled his eyes. Let's read it together, I said, opening up my own copy. But before we do, who can recap what's happened in the play so far? George's hand shot into the air, and to my surprise, so did Andy's. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I called on Andy because George was the only person who ever raised his hand in this class, and I wanted to encourage some other students to do so as well. Andy cleared his throat. So basically, the play opens with the king of Athens prepping for his wedding day. And then this angry boomer, Aegeus, barges in and is all like, Your majesty, my daughter, Hermia, is being a little brat and won't marry the dude I want her to marry. And that dude's name is... Andy ruffled through his copy of the play. Demetrius. And then Hermia's all like, But dad, I don't love Demetrius. I want to marry Lysander instead. But unfortunately for Hermia, the king is a bit of a misogynist, which I totally disagree with, by the way. He winked at me. And the king is like, Okay, Hermia, you've got until my wedding day to decide if you want to marry Demetrius and live or refuse and become a nun or, like, die or something. So then Hermia and Lysander decide to run away together so that they can get married anyway. But first, Hermia tells her BFF, Helena who was engaged to Demetrius before Demetrius ditched her for Hermia. And that's when Helena does her speech because she's all butthurt that Demetrius is so obsessed with Hermia instead of loving her like he originally did. I stared at him because apart from the fact that some of his language was a little inappropriate, he'd actually given an accurate summary. Um, yeah, thanks. Andy, so here's what Helena says. I read her monologue. How happy some or other some can be. Through Athens, I am thought as fair as she. But what of that? Demetrius thinks not so. He will not know what all but he do know. And as he errs, 
doting on Hermia's eyes, so I, admiring of his qualities, things base and vile holding no quantity, love can transpose to form and dignity. Love looks not with the eyes, but with the mind, and therefore is winged Cupid painted blind. Nor hath love's mind of any judgment taste, wings and no eyes figure unheedy haste. And therefore is love said to be a child, because in choice he is so oft beguiled. As waggish boys in game themselves forswear, so the boy love is perjured everywhere. For ere Demetrius looked on Hermia's eyne, he hailed down oaths that he was only mine. And when this hail some heat from Hermia felt, so he dissolved and showers of oaths did melt. Ugh, but why is Cupid suddenly there? And why is he blind? Addison asked. It's about the pain of unrequited love, Addison, Andy said sagely. Yeah, and Cupid's not actually there. Shakespeare's just making an allusion to Cupid, because Cupid is the figure in Greek mythology that causes people to fall in love by shooting them with a bow and arrow. I know who Cupid is. I'm not an idiot, Addison sulked, but I've never heard about him being blind. Shakespeare's saying he's blind because love makes you blind, Andy said, looking wistfully at me. What does that mean? Addison demanded. Maybe it means that looks don't matter when it comes to love, Emma suggested. I don't think so. Demetrius is an asshole, but it seems pretty obvious that Helena has the hots for him. Physically, I mean. Andy clarified, unnecessarily. Yeah, everyone misinterprets what that love is blind quote means, George said. When people quote it today, they get all warm and fuzzy and think Shakespeare was saying that looks don't matter when it comes to love. Isn't that what he was saying, though? Addison rubbed her hands over her temples. Damn it, I was just starting to feel like I understood this. You could read it that way, I said, but contextually, it looks more like he's saying that once a person is already in love, they then become blind to any ugliness whoever they're in love with has. Yeah, Helena says that she admires Demetrius's qualities, even though he's kind of a douche. Andy quoted, Things base and vile, holding no quantity, love can transpose to form and dignity. She's basically saying Demetrius sucks, but since she's in love with him, she just excuses all of his bad behavior and even imagines that it's dignified, which I assume means good. Addison's eyes grew very round. Aw, poor Helena. Oh, I can't imagine being the ugly friend and having all the guys just pass me over. Weird flex, but okay, George said. Addison glared at him. I imagine you really relate to Helena, George. George opened his mouth to retort, but Andy said, Helena's a babe, too, though. She says that everyone in Athens thinks that other than Demetrius. This is actually pretty juicy, 
Addison said, picking her copy back up off the desk. Kind of like an old-timey gossip girl? I just wish that they would talk like normal people. There was a knock on the classroom door, and Amanda stuck her head in. Hey, I'm sorry. You wouldn't happen to have any extra lined paper in here, would you? I ran out and we're doing a test. Oh, yeah, of course, I said, grabbing a pile from the top of my desk and handing it to her. Thanks, she smiled and hurried off back to her classroom. Demetrius is so mean to Helena, Emma said as I shut the door and returned to the front of the classroom. Dumping her to pursue her best friend, and then later on in the play, he says such hurtful things. He sucks. He does, Addison said dreamily. But honestly, I'm kind of into him. You have issues, George said. Yeah, I hate Demetrius, Emma said. Lysander seems sweet, though. Lysander's boring, Addison said, miming a huge fake yawn while... I tried my best to look like I didn't feel exactly the same way that she did. I'm done! I'm done! I'm done exams! Lana texted our group chat on the Friday before the winter holidays. Congrats! Me too! Brie responded. Congrats, guys. I'm stuck in the land of never-ending revisions on this piece of shit painting I'm making for Portia, Gemma wrote. Why aren't you done? I asked. I thought today was your last day sitting with Portia. It was supposed to be, but she wants me to come back and do a few touch-ups in the new year, Gemma typed with a puke face emoji. She did pay me today, though, so I'm still ready to celebrate. Yes, make that money, girl, Lana said. Are we still on for pre-drinks at Brooklyn's before going out tonight? Yes, I said. Cool, it's just girls for dinner first, right? Bree asked. James wants to come, but I told him he's not allowed to join until 8 or 9. Aw, James, Lana said. But yeah, just girls first, then the dudes can come after we've had our girl time. Amanda's going to come after dinner, too, I said. No one said anything. I saw little dots from all three of them appear on the screen. Typing, then not typing, then typing again. Finally, Lana said, Brooklyn, I like Amanda, and I'm not going to say anything to her about Apollo because you're my bestie, but I would just like to make it clear that I think your friendship with her is a little fucked up. Brie and Gemma liked Lana's comment. I know, I wrote back. I'm going to try to figure out what to do over the break. But for tonight, I think we all deserve to celebrate. And she doesn't really have any other friends in the city yet. Gemma liked my message. Is Apollo coming too? Lana asked. I don't know. I mean, maybe. They are still dating. Lana sent a facepalm emoji and wrote... I'll bring extra wine. Thanks for listening. 
you're enjoying the show, please give it five stars on Apple or Spotify, write a review, share it on social media, and tell your friends. Confessions of a New Grad is written, performed, and produced by me, Greta Craig. Rebecca Montgomery does cover and episode artwork, as well as editing the scripts. For accompanying illustrations, exclusive news, and extra content, you can follow the show on Instagram at newgradpodcast. You can also find more information and get in touch via our website, confessionsofanewgrad.com. Special thanks to all the musicians who allowed us to use their work in this production. You can find the soundtracks in the episode descriptions. I love interacting with you and hearing your thoughts on the show or anything at all, so please feel free to continue to reach out to me on Instagram or via the show's website. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.